Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. Well, there it is. I think uh, Riders defensive end Willie Jefferson just crossed the goal line to give the Riders their big win <laughs> over the Edmonton Eskimos as uh, he took that pick six back a very long way and made sure he killed all kinds of clock off that one. Of course, I'm just kidding. We will get into uh, that in a little bit as... Uh, Some people maybe didn't like it. Some people did. Uh, We'll get into that in a little bit and uh, talk about that game in general. As uh, for a lot of reasons, it was a very interesting game, John, as we finally have uh, some different talking points to talk about after a game, even though the Riders again won in sort of the same way they won about 85% of their games this year. No, you're absolutely right, Joel. And I could hear you triggered so many people above, I would say, the age of 50 with your joke about Willie Jefferson, um, I could hear the canes rattling from here. <laughs> so before we get into uh, the usual um, dumb stuff that we talk about and general nonsense, uh, we do have a little bit of housekeeping to take care of just to let you all know uh, there won't be a podcast next week, so no greencast next week. Um, I'm getting married or something on Saturday, and I know that's the day of the... <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of important, I guess right? that's, that's a little bit of a thing that's going to be happening, and the Ryder-Bomber game is going to be on, but it's not going to be on at my wedding because I'm, I'm just not that guy. I'm not going to be working at my wedding. That would be dumb. I'm not a fan, so there's no real interest in me watching a game because, for me, if I'm watching a game, I'm working, and uh, my wife-to-be would probably kill me if I worked on my wedding day because I work just about every other day of the week between some of my 12 different jobs. That's so, <laughs> yeah, no, that's not happening, and... Um, so I, I won't be seeing the game, and for some reason, uh, I asked John to MC my wedding, so yeah. he also won't see it. We'll both watch it at some point, because mm, we will. It might not be till like, Tuesday or Wednesday by the time I get to it, so just everyone remember, just no greencast next week, and uh, yeah. I will, probably, I will probably watch it the next day in my hotel room while I am disgustingly hungover, because I have this, I, I have this thing... Mm-hmm. After I MC anything, I have like a beer or two before I get up on the podium so I can be funnier than I think I am. Yeah. And then after that, it's just like, well, no more responsibilities. Time to go ahead and drink all this delicious craft beer at Joel's wedding. And I'll be found outside the casino, possibly with no pants on uh, around 1 a.m. <laughs> all right. Well, that's thanks. Um, thanks, for, thanks, thanks for the warning, I guess. And um, we were talking a little bit before uh, we hit record on this podcast that uh, you don't really you don't really know anyone else in my wedding. So it, this scene, this outcome seems almost entirely very possible that you'll just end up passed out in a bush somewhere. And that's fair. Hey, hey, good times. John will come out and uh, I've heard mostly good reviews and I've never been arrested. That's good. That's good because so, if you were arrested, we might have an issue. Is we, we can't really have that that sort of oh, no, 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 that, that sort of personality on the podcast. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, you know, you mean it doesn't add to my street cred? No, you have a zero street cred to begin with. So, 
fair enough. So, John, uh, speaking of passing out on a bush somewhere, uh, what's in the glass this week? <laughs> um, because it almost kind of, sort of, for like about six hours, a couple times this weekend, kind of felt like the dying days of summer. I went back to my last beer of the summer. One last pile of bones, white IPA that was sitting in the back of my fridge downstairs. My, my curling obtained beer fridge. You know, small town bond spiel. How was, you know, can you obtain beer fridges other than winning small town bomb spiels? Yeah. Shout out Eiley, Alberta. Uh, but I went right in the back and I said, okay, I was like, there's some basic beer, basic beer, basic beer, cooler purple cider, purple drink, uh, fuego. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's and then I'm like, oh, snap. Is that a, that's a white IPA. But it's not summer, but you know what? Let's just roll with it. And uh, you'll probably get to enjoy a few of those at the wedding because I can uh, let you in that that will be one of the beers there. So it's not your last. USA. USA. <laughs> not quite. But <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm just, I just like to start that chance sometimes. It's just, it's just so much fun to randomly say USA. I guess so. I don't know. I've never really, yeah. never really had the urge to do it, even, uh, even at sporting events in the U.S. when they break it out every time they sing the anthem or wake up in the morning or bring in the military or do anything really. But I like bringing it up out of context. Like when, you know, we're talking about the white IPA being at your wedding in Regina to just randomly bust out a USA chant, you know, a little out of context. It's kind of what I do. You are best taken out of context. So 100%. Uh, for me, I'm in a bit of a dark beer place right now, and I haven't had one in a while, so it's a little bit of a Rebellion Oatmeal Stout tonight. Just a nice little uh, easy-drinking uh, dark beer that always goes down well. You know, I, I saw that on the shelf. I uh, I was very much in, a, in feeling some lighter beers this week, so mm-hmm. I'll have to give that a try very soon. Yeah, fair. It's, 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 it's good. It's solid. It's, it's a good dark beer. Nice. So, the Riders won again. Yep. Um, I don't think any barely. barely, and I don't know if anyone's really too. Um, I don't even know how to say it. Like, I don't think anyone was really like, "Oh yeah, we won!" Like, Woo! we're going to be amazing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it was. <laughs> it was as I wrote the headline. It was basically writers follow the same script and winning another football game, and I. I kind of thought about just going and ripping an old column on 3 downnationcom and posting it and pasting it into uh, the site there and see if anyone notices if I just change the team names and the score. <laughs> because you know because I... it kind of felt like so many other Ryder games before it where the offense was at least, yeah, the offense moved the ball decently because I looked at the numbers after and couldn't believe that despite the fact that they had fewer yards than Edmonton, they actually had the ball for more. Like, they outpossessed them by, uh, I believe, like, four or five minutes. Which, wow. Which is kind of weird to think about. If you're actually watching that game, you never... I, I never got that thought at all that that's what happened, but it did. Um, they couldn't rush the ball worth a damn. They couldn't finish worth a damn. I believe it was about eight times or so by the middle of the fourth quarter, they had gotten over midfield, and they only had three field goals to show for it. Yeah. And so I think they answered a question we had the week before, which was, okay, is this offense finding itself, or were they just playing Montreal? Turns out they were just playing Montreal. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like a thought I had after everyone is going cuckoo bananas over Hamilton after they had two convincing wins over the Toronto Argonauts back-to-back. And I was like, okay, whoa, 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 they, they played Toronto. Yep. Um, 
I, not that I was, you know, trying to poo-poo over, all over Hamilton at the time, but let's, you know, wait and see what the answers really bring when they play a real team. Right. And they've played a few since then, and okay, yeah, Hamilton's a good team. I think we, I think we can say that now. Yeah. Um, and the Riders are a good team, and they, as, uh, as, as much as Hamilton, as much as Edmonton is a mess, they're still better than say a Toronto or a Montreal. So. What we saw from that offense in that game was, again, the ongoing issues that have plagued them forever. And there's only three games left, and I don't think you can fix that at this point. I don't think you can suddenly change what they are. No, they are exactly who we thought they are. There you go. little Dennis Green for you. And, but um, did we let them off the I hook? Hate, I, I hate to say it. I felt like... I, I, I keep having this. I've been uncharacteristically optimistic most of the season. I keep feeling like, okay, they're going to figure it out. Okay, they, they, they put up some points against Montreal. They're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. And they just haven't. And I am willing to state on this podcast, Joel, start the like highlight clip button. Because the Riders, I think after watching that football game, you cannot call them a Grey Cup contender anymore, period, end of sentence. That, that offense needed... You had an entire game to score one touchdown. Your entire game to score one touchdown. Let's face it. First touchdown wins in that snoozer of a football game. And special teams didn't show up. Defense was there. As I said, I'd be interested to see what's going to happen. You and I had talked about the defense having a couple off nights. And I said the real test would be what happens against Edmonton. Because that was going to be a playoff-like atmosphere. Yep. And that had a playoff-like intensity to it. And and to watch that playoff-like intensity and to watch that offense come out and completely crap their pantaloons, I think you can take away the Grey Cup contender status right now. I think that's it. It's over. Enjoy your home playoff game. It's going to be a beauty. They're losing in the first round. Done. No. That offense needed six. Six points. One touchdown wins that game because your defense is that damn good. And they couldn't come up with it. And upon watching that game, listening to the radio broadcast, listening to Rod and Luke and, and watching the game and the highlights and what I had on the PBR, I, I think the biggest problem, and this is just one man's opinion, the offensive line has been better than I think you and I expected. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can put a lot of this on Zach Caleros. I think you would have better success at receiver grabbing five guys from the flag football league and throwing them out there. The drops were atrocious. The inability at open was atrocious. The play calling was also atrocious as Rod and Luke, and you and I were talking about this before we recorded. Shaq Evans, wide open. Would have been the easiest touchdown. It would have been a touchdown so easy that if you replaced Shaq Evans with yours truly, I probably could have marched it in on that one. No, they would have caught you. You're way too slow. That's right. I'm deceptively fast for a fat guy asking anybody I played slow pitch. <laughs> not that against is, pro- not against professionals, though. <laughs> no, fair enough. Okay, but at least I would have had a big yardage. A big, a big game. I just... Uh, this That offense, the receiving core, the play calling was so atrocious that when push comes to shove, if you need to get one touchdown out of this offense in a playoff game, it ain't coming because they're just way too easy to shut down. And I think this once optimistic playoff run led by one of the best defensive units I have ever seen in my entire time watching CFL football 
will be all for naught because this offense can't score six freaking points when they need them to in 60 minutes of football. You see, <clears throat> there are points that I don't disagree with you. I think, I think it's clear that this offense is not good, and you can't really depend on them really to win a football game when you need them to. But I think I still think they're a great cup contender because the defense is that good and the special teams is that good. They had an off day against Edmonton, you know, Brett Lowther, MOP candidate, you know, uncharacteristically mixed missed a couple of kicks. One was into a pretty decent wind, so we'll give him that one. And Josh Bartell had a couple of kicks he probably would like to have back too. Um, the return game was almost non-existent, but I mean, the special teams have been so good. You give them a pass, you know they'll bounce back, they'll be fine. Yeah. So I think those two units alone are still good enough. And if you look at overall, generally speaking, the state of the league, I think there's Calgary. I think there's Saskatchewan, Ottawa, Hamilton. There's then Winnipeg, BC. Then there's maybe Edmonton and a group of their own. And then it's Toronto, Montreal. So I, I still think the path is there. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy because of the way the playoff format is and it is what it is. They're going to have to play two games to get to the Grey Cup when they probably, record-wise, should only have to play one. And mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else below them is that much better than them that they're not going to be able to win those games. They'll get to the West Final. I don't have any question in my mind that they should get to the West Final. Whether they beat Calgary or not is an entirely different question. But I think they can still get there. You, you I don't think you can say without a doubt, that they are going to lose to Winnipeg or if by some chance it turns into Edmonton or maybe even BC in the West semifinal at this point. I think they have a very good shot at beating those teams, especially at home, especially at the first ever playoff game at Mosaic Stadium where it is going to be a madhouse where we can get into this a little bit later if you want, where it, there were times it was not a madhouse during that game. It was the first non-sellout in probably since the early part of the season when this team was a bit of a mess. But, you know, yeah. we, we don't need to move the schedule up. But anyway. Oh, um. okay. okay. I, I feel like as we don't have an episode next week, you might be able to get me started on that. There's nothing that makes me angrier than that. Yeah. But I, other I, than this offense. I just, think, I just think that this defense is that good. And they, I think they'll be able to squeak by. Because I, I just think the CFL is closer than it's ever been this year. And maybe because closer than there'll ever been that, yeah, they could easily lose that West semifinal game as well. But I'm not ready to write them off as Grey Cup contenders at this point. I just think there's still too many things going their way. And there's the old saying, if you win two out of three phases, you can win a football game. And the Riders are certainly capable of doing that without their offense. They've proven it time and time again. You're right. I I just think at some point, I know it's two out of three, blah, 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 blah. I just, I think at some point, um, teams, even at a home playoff game, Let's face it, people are falling asleep in a game that's just a field goal kicking competition. You know, I, 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 I think that takes the fans out of it, that takes the energy out of it. And I think, although Edmonton is an unmitigated disaster right now, yeah, uh, Winnipeg has been both looked like the best team in the CFL and simultaneously the worst team in the CFL at points this year. BC as well kind of fits into that same role. I, I, I just... I, I think every other team in the CFL, minus Toronto, Montreal, if their offense, if you go to any other offense in the Canadian Football League right now and say, if you score one touchdown, you'll win that game, every other offense, except Toronto, Montreal, can get it done. 
And I think if if they if the Riders find themselves in another game like they were in on Monday, I, I just think the other offense is going to prevail. I just I, I, I there's a lot of good D out there. I think Edmonton at some point will get their poop in a group. Um, Winnipeg to I know and, and <laughs> I don't I, I just I just think Jason Moss there's, has completely I, lost that team. Oh, I think so, but I think there's far too much talent. And let's face it, the harsh reality of the CFL is, and and I've learned from talking to talking to a friend of mine that played in the league and played for the Edmonton Eskimos. The harsh reality of the CFL is for a lot of these American guys, their year is made on their playoff bonuses. So they will let Jason Moss, they'll shut up and listen, and they'll go out there and let their play dictate what's going on because they know if they win two rounds, everybody gets Christmas presents this year. Yeah. Um, I think your regular season is the time that they're like, what is this funny purple and blue money? Oh, wait, I can almost double my salary in the playoffs? Yeah, that's the time to show up. Um, so They got to get think, there first, though. I think, I think they'll find a way to get there. I, I, think they're, I think they're similar to Winnipeg in the sense that Winnipeg's been through their dumpster fire. I feel like Edmonton is currently in their dumpster fire, but I just I think there's too much talent there to not be able to get out of it. Um, and, and again, I, I I literally like like I just I I just don't think that offense has the ability to win a playoff game. I just I don't. Uh, and I don't either. I, but I don't. But I don't either. But I think that defense and special teams is good enough. And one thing the Riders have over, say, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and his BC is we know who they are. We know exactly right. what they are. And we know exactly what they need to do to succeed. Those other teams, we still don't have a clue, really, what they are. Well, that's fair. But I think they have more potential. They might. To figure out, to figure out who they are and more talent to figure out who they are, especially on offense. I mean, at, at some point, you have to score points to win a football game. Yep. And, I mean, despite your... Uh, Insanely well-timed tweet, by the way. Tip of the cap <laughs> to you there, Joel. Um, you can't defend on Willie Jefferson leaping 12 feet in the air like he is a giant Super Mario, plucking the ball out, and then running it another 80-some yards down the field. Like, you can't count on that. Like You can't, but they've done it all year. And I know, I know that eventually what goes around comes around, and karma is going to catch up to this team eventually. And... Yeah, it's a t- it's a topic maybe for the off season. It's a topic for another day because, you know, th- I think they have there's enough left in the tank for them to do it this year. Next year could be an unimaginable disaster because karma coming around the other way. But you know that's that's a problem for the future riders. That's not a problem for them right now. And so on that note, where you say okay, we've maybe fluked our way into kind of a home playoff game where we've pulled a lot of games out of our rear ends. Do you maybe go for it a little bit with the CFL trade deadline on the horizon? We're recording this on Tuesday. You're probably listening to this after the trade deadline, so this whole conversation is probably moot at this point. Anyway. <laughs> but so people like it when we're angry. But we're going to have it anyway. So the question now is, if the riders, if they feel like they, uh, well, they probably feel they belong where they should be right about now. Outside perspective, they've probably pulled a few games out of their butts and are maybe a little higher in the standings than they should be. So do you, because every se- season is sacred, do you take a chance? Do you go for it? Do you make a move at this deadline and try to bolster this offense by going up after a name that three down nations, Justin dunk threw out there as possibly being on the market and drawing some interest because this team badly needs a playmaker on offense. If the riders were able to get SJ green for the right price, 
considering he's here for the end of this year and potentially next year as well, does that change what you think of this offense if you bring in a weapon like that? I think that's exactly what they need. I, I think SJ Green is just what the doctor ordered. Yeah. I, I think if you can pair, they need a deep threat. Mm-hmm. They need a deep threat who's not going to let the ball clang off of his face when he needs to make a big catch. <laughs> the Mike, jo- the is- Mike Jones, as Josh Smith called it, of Three Down yeah, Nation and the Podski <laughs> Wee Week podcast. And, and, and our favorite guy to reference. Um, <laughs> you, SJ Green is that guy. SJ Green can stretch out defenders once Name and Roosevelt is healthy. All of a sudden, this team, this offense doesn't look like such a dumpster fire, but you almost have to wonder, and it was you that brought this up before, is Zach Claris going to be so burned from, you know, always needing to look at the check down because nobody's open at any point in time that he maybe or the, or the play like you have to completely change the play calling if you get SJ Green. I think they should, well, but that yeah. would involve that would involve a certain OC pulling his head from his rear end and going, maybe we should call a deep pass. I think just have well they've thrown a few from time to time they do pull it every once in a while to make sure they keep defenses somewhat honest from time to yeah, time yeah yeah and you can hear the quacks off the way that ball flutters out of Caleros's arm yeah and that certainly plays into it but I think it just having the threat of S J Green and he doesn't even have to even necessarily go deep you just know that he's that guy even if you need eleven yards you throw it eleven yards and if it's a fifty fifty there's probably an eighty percent chance that he's going to come down with it and yeah. he's he can still help you be a possession offense by picking up first downs and being that guy when you need it. If you have two guys like him and Roosevelt that can do that, assuming Roosevelt's back in some sort of fashion in here, you know, that's that's a that's a thing that's been missing from this offense. And it comes back to the, the trade of the release of Drawn Carter. And they've been missing that element. Now, Drawn wasn't really involved in the offense at all this year. So, it, you know, I don't think at the end of the day, and this is probably going to backfire spectacularly now because I've said it, I don't really think they're going to go after a guy like SJ Green because it doesn't seem to fit into what they're doing. But I think if you bring in something like that, you bring that guy in, he's not just a rental because under contract next year as well, I believe, that give that sets you up to have that threat this year where you have a shot at reaching the Grey Cup and possibly even next year as well, where you have suddenly, okay, you have some pieces on offense to build around still going forward. This isn't just a let's make a run now move. This is a make a run now move and help us out next year as well yeah yeah and i and i think they should do it but i think i think you're right i don't know if they will uh, i i i think there's a certain certain arrogance amongst this group including the cut, cutting of deron carter I, again the team's record since he's been cut obviously proves that maybe there was something deeper going on behind that but or it's completely coincidental it, but yeah yeah exactly but it's just it, to me that this 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 management group and this team has has had this attitude of Ah, whatever. We're smart enough. We're going to figure this out, and it's becoming painfully clear that maybe they aren't. So, I think they should. I'd be surprised if they did. Mm. I think it would be just what the doctor ordered if they did. Yeah, it would be. It would be the huge boost that they would need for the offense. Now, if they don't have the salary cap room for it, that's an entirely different situation, and that's okay. Then it's like okay. Obviously, then you don't make the trade unless you can dump some overpriced underperforming veteran on in Toronto for the rest of the year to try and eat up some to free up a little bit of cap room for it. But <laughs> I I don't imagine Toronto would take on, say, a Sam Hurl or something like that. But you know, <laughs> I, I just That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so yeah, SJ Green is just the guy that if I I don't really know if there's really anyone else you would target per se, because I think the team is pretty set otherwise. 
I don't really know. There isn't really a receiver in Montreal that stands out that they should go after, I don't think. So you're really left, if you're Chris Jones at this point, I think if you're, unless there's like an adept Canadian or somewhere you can pick up for cheap, maybe you'll look at it. But otherwise, it's it's basically SJ Green or bust, as far as I'm concerned, the deadline. Is there anyone else that you can think of? Because really, at this point, you're probably only getting someone out of Toronto or Montreal, which greatly shrink, shrinks the markets, which greatly, you know, hurts value and, you know, that whole sorts of thing. So is there anyone else you can think of on the top of your head that you think maybe they should target? No. I, I, I don't think you touch the defense. I think maybe you try to get some O-line depth, but uh, after watching that Montreal O-line against Calgary, I don't <sighs> think you'd... I don't, again, I know you don't like hyperbole, but I don't think that they could start for a U-sports team, how bad they looked. Um, I think it kind of is SJ Green or Bust. I can't really think of anybody else. Ernest Jackson comes to mind, but he's more of a possession receiver. You already have that name in Roosevelt. Uh yeah, I, I, again, I'm with you. If you can go out and make a couple minor moves for Canadian depth, Canadian special teamers, you know, I, I kind of look at a guy like a, when they went and got Jeff Hecht a couple years ago, a guy that could, you know, play some play some downs, do what you needed him to do, mostly a special teams guy. But, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. It's SJ Green or bust. And I, I, I think because this is something you and I more talked about at the beginning of the year and in large picture discussions – I, I think that this team has a very small Grey Cup window. Yeah. This year, maybe next year, because again, we've harped on them for not developing players and not being young. And I think that, I think because your Grey Cup window is so small, I, I think just to keep everybody in Saskatchewan happy, I, I think you got to go for it. And, and I think you have to take a shot at SJ Green. And I, I think, you know, I think even selfishly, there should probably be a, something within Chris Jones to say, I got to take my shot here because I only got a one-year extension last year. Mm. He got that one-year extension to basically not be a lame duck, lame duck, GM, vice president, garbage man, head coach, defensive coordinator, popcorn vendor, you know, every side, <laughs> every, every title under the sun with this team because they just didn't want that sort of looming over the team. So basically, there's there's a big decision coming ahead for this franchise heading into this offseason, where a lot of what happens over the next few weeks, I think, will determine whether Chris Jones is back next year. Because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not suggesting that Chris Jones should be fired from all his titles. No, I'm not suggesting that on this podcast at all right now. But how the next week goes could determine some things. A lot of things, especially when you consider, and I don't even know if it's ever officially been made official yet, but if that management cap is coming in next year in terms of number of coaches and managers and football ops people you're allowed to have and how much you're allowed to pay them if if as you say happens and things go squirrely here and they lose in the west semifinal at home in embarrassing fashion there would if i'm craig reynolds there would have to be some temptation considering you have to make a lot of changes to your coaching staff anyway to fit into this cap would it maybe be easier just to start over? The temptation would have to be there. I'm not saying he does it, but it would have to be a thought that crosses his mind. Well, I, I think Chris Jones has proven since he took over as Mr. Everything in Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. he is a brilliant football coach. Oh, no He's question. a brilliant defensive coach. There's no questioning with that. Yeah. He's a crappy personnel guy. 
Yeah, we've talked like, about that many times on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't think there opens up a reality where I don't think that Murphy or O'Day, I, I don't know if maybe it's – and I don't know the inner workings. I don't know if, if they're all on board with this let's get as many veterans as we can and try to win now philosophy. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the three of them is going, hey, guys, maybe we should develop some talent. But there's no way that you can fit – all three of those guys under that new management and coaching cap. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think you're right. I think maybe it is best that you, if things flame out, that you start all over. And unfortunately, you might be leading this team into some dark ages if you have to make a decision between, okay, we won the Grey Cup. We made it to the Grey Cup. We're keeping Chris Jones as head coach, uh, VP of everything, but we're taking away his personnel people in Murphy and O'Day. Uh, out of this. You would keep one of them for sure. Yeah, I think uh, I think yeah, you yeah. keep a Jeremy O'Day around. I'm not, I'm not that fond of John Murphy. We don't need to get into that right now. But right, <laughs> um, I, I think you're right. But still, it, then it becomes. See, ah, uh, I, I think if they lose, I think the temptation's there, and yeah. deservingly so. That uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not saying they do it, but it's certainly I think it's a thought, and it's a legitimate thought. Yeah. And, if it, and it might be, it's a prudent thing to think about. You have to think about all your options when something happens. And by now, and I already said earlier in the podcast, I think they're going to make the West Finals, so this whole thing's probably moot. But if this thing does flame out in some way or another, then it's a thought you have to have. And now, of course, if you make the Great Cup or you win the Great Cup, then yeah, you have to keep them around in some sort of some sort of way that they exist right now. And trimming the coaching staff won't be that difficult. It seems like every assistant has three other assistants below them right now on this roster, so finding the core coaches on this team isn't that hard but still you know decisions will have to be made one decision i don't think that won't have to be made is whether uh, defensive end willie jefferson should be back next year or not that one is uh, firmly entrenched but we bring him up not because of his pit well a little bit because of his pick six where first of all there was how long it took for him to score that touchdown which um i joked about at the top of the show and you it triggered a lot of old people and so, at first, I was kind of taken aback by it because, okay, there was the one in Winnipeg, but that, then I was like, oh my gosh, that one was exceedingly long. But then I sat and I actually thought about it. I was like, no, wait, no, 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 no. There was like two minutes left in the game. He killed 15 seconds on that interception. That 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 sort of quote-unquote showboating, that one made a lot of sense. Oh, oh, oh 100%, 100% it did. I, I, I don't even think that was showboating. Like, he wasn't, like, if you're Edmonton... <laughs> And you're unable, and you're not going to chase the damn guy who has the football. Even Johnny you, Manziel chased down a guy. Like, come on. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like to me, it just it, that was the peak of laziness, and maybe it shows some of those deeper problems that Edmonton seems to be having late in this season. But uh, I thought it was heads up play by Billy Jefferson. He knew. You and I knew. Everybody in that damn stadium knew. The first six of that game wins. So he knows, okay, I got about two minutes left. I got to kill off some time. So he starts running. I mean, that's a trick I used to do with my buddies when playing Madden. <laughs> like, all right, oh, we've, yeah. We've no. all done it in Madden. <laughs> exactly. And it's such a great play because you take off so much time. And that's all Jefferson was doing. He wasn't showboating. He wasn't taunting. He wasn't running backwards to the goal line. If you're too stupid to go after the man that has the damn football, you should be punished in some way. And... <laughs> And again, looking at it, Edmonton with that last Hail Mary, they they had some time. 
you know, there was some left leftover time at the end of the game, but barely any. And if maybe if Mr. Jefferson doesn't go for, you know, a casual, like, you know, leisurely, like, mall walk, maybe there's more time to make it a play. Well, yeah, and it, now... It, and differently. Now, of course, you know, one series of events always changes another, so... If Jefferson ran straight over the goal line, handed the ball to the ref, and walked back to uh, his position on the bench like a lot of people would like him to do, then they have a little more time and they're probably not throwing a Hail Mary in the spot that they were and blah, 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 blah. But hypothetically speaking, yes, okay, in that scenario where everything, the following events follow in the the same order, they threw that Hail Mary in that spot and they get down and then Ed Ganey's tackling, thankfully Ed Ganey made that tackle at like the eight-yard line. Then either A, you know, they maybe would have been closer down to that uh, Hail Mary spot and it's made in the end zone, or they make that play and all of a sudden the Eskimos are at the eight-yard line with some time on the clock. Yeah. So, and I've granted, you know, this is all hypotheticals because if he handles that play differently, everything following it happens differently. That's just the way, you know, the universe works. Yeah. But, so, it raises the other question, and it's one we had last week about... uh, the defensive most outstanding player for this team, or was that the week before? The week before, last week we talked a lot about the Grey Cup. Um, yes, we did. We were all both. I think at the time we were both on Sam McGuavin, and I don't think there's yeah. a bad. I don't think that's a wrong pick. But is Willie Jefferson making his way into this conversation? Is Willie Jefferson even making his way into the MOP conversation for this team? Oh, defensively yes. he definitely is. De- oh, def- defensively, yes. I, it, it's him, Hughes, McGuavin. Um, I can't really think of anybody else. And honestly, to suggest anybody else would be simply silly. Um, but I, I, I think he is. And you and I, again, we're talking, is Hughes having a good year because of Jefferson or is Jefferson having a good year because of Hughes? And it's a little bit of a chicken before the egg situation. All I know is the Riders have two damn fine defensive players both playing D-line. But I think Jefferson's ability... To he might not have the sacks of Hughes, no, but his ability to make the athletic plays of going up and like his 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 ability to go up and 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 two pick sixes for a D lineman and how many how he, many how many defensive linemen do you know that got two pick sixes in their career, let alone in a season? Oh God! Oh, <laughs> that's and that's exactly <laughs> it. And both and both coming like. And we're not talking garbage time pick sixes. Like, we're talking both of those had impact in those football games. And his ability to disrupt, to recognize what's going on, to, again, leap up like Super Mario and just pluck that ball out of the air. You know, there is there is something to be said uh, about that. I think from watching the games, I notice Jefferson more than Hughes. Yeah, I think that's fair. And maybe that shouldn't be the way that that would lean my vote between the two of them. But... Well, I, I, think I, th- it, I think that's better than being blinded by the numbers just because Charleston Hughes has 15 sacks doesn't necessarily mean he's been a better player. Right, but I mean, there is something to be said for just, you know, picking a random guy along the defensive line and saying that he should be, you know, some sort of outstanding Canadian or, or offensive player despite not having any numbers, you know. Um, but when watching, when watching that every game... You notice him. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And, and it's so cliche, and it's so... I, I get it. I, I hate cliches, but, you know, I, I, I think to me, if I had a vote still, 
it wasn't taken away the minute I, you know, retired at a radio. Um, Jefferson would be my most outstanding defensive player, followed by Hughes, uh, followed by Aguavin, and, you know, moving way down the list for everybody else. Um, I think MOP, after Brett Lowther struggles, and this is the funny thing for a kicker, you miss two field goals after a great season. <laughs> You're still clipping along at 80-plus percent. And you miss two in a pivotal game, and all of a sudden it's like, well, let's maybe make a relax on the uh, campaign for MOP. I think he would be my MOP. I, I, I think, again, voting right now, he would be my MOP. He's definitely my defensive most outstanding player nominee at this point, I think. Um, I would have to go back and actually watch every game, and I'm not going to do it because nobody ain't got time for that. Um, <laughs> just to see if he has been Charleston Hughes in Charleston Hughes. Because we, we, we've talked about it for years where there was it's, there was a parade of guys that went to the NFL that were on the other side of Charleston Hughes forever. And it feels like that, and I could be dead wrong, but it feels like Willie Jefferson has just caused so much havoc that it's made life so much easier for Charleston Hughes. Not that Charleston Hughes is having a bad year, not that he's been a bad player, not that he's not worthy of being in the defensive nominee uh, discussion, but I think Willie Jefferson has just been that solid and that good all year. And it's the numbers haven't maybe always necessarily backed it up, but he's as you said, you notice him, and I think there's something when you're a pass rusher about that, where even if you're not getting the numbers, if you're still noticed every game, every you know second or third play, there's something to be said for that because I think there's been times where even though he has 15 sacks, there's been times where Charleston Hughes has been kind of quiet. You didn't really notice him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes back to Willie Jefferson right now is reminding me of Doug Brown from the Bomber Glory days. If you ever looked at Doug Brown's stats, they were not good. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that jumped out of the page to you. But if you ever watched a football game and watched Doug Brown get double and triple teamed, you know he was making an impact. Yeah, that's, it's and that of, is Willie. And that's Willie Jefferson to me. Yeah, it's kind of been the story of his career in Saskatchewan, really. I've, uh, you can make an argument ever since he got here that he could have been the team's defensive most outstanding player nominee every single season since he's been here. Yes. I think he got robbed by Ed. Uh, I, I think it was weird. Like, he got it one year, but I thought that was maybe the year Ed Ganey should have got it because no one was throwing at Ed Ganey. Yeah. And then the next year, Ed Ganey got it because he had, like, 12 picks in the first half of the season. But, yeah, but Willie people Jeff- started throwing at Ed Ganey. But Willie Jefferson was just a monster all year, and I thought he should have been the guy. But there was no wrong pick in that situation. But, you know, in in a sense, in his whole time here, you could have said that every single year, Willie Jefferson could have and maybe should have been the Riders' most outstanding defensive player nominee. And I think the case is building for him again this year. Um, You know, a lot of voters, and it's it's not quite as true in Saskatchewan as in some other markets, you know, where they get blinded by the numbers a little bit. Yeah. because I know a lot of the people who do vote Saskatchewan, and they they take they take a lot of thought and time into it, and they go beyond just looking at the stat sheet, and they ask some of the players on the team, and they ask some of the coaches on the team, and say you know kind of get their gauge and what they think. So I, I think that's good. So maybe yeah. we will see something more than just Charleston Hughes, and not that Charleston Hughes isn't, and there's certainly a case for him to be that guy as well. But I would go with Willie Jefferson, and he's on the doorstep for me for MOP. And I know he missed a couple of kicks, but I just. I think, you know, we, we got a couple more games to figure this out here, but to me, MOP is still Brett Lowther. I think he's been that good and that important to this team all year that 
that it's 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 still there. It's still there for his yeah. for the taking. It just depends on how he rebound. If he rebounds from this and you know kicks every field goal the rest of the year, then it should still be him, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. I and and again for me the same could be said with with Jefferson. Uh, if he maybe puts the stats up a little bit more, um, get some of those numbers, has another couple real good games here in, in clinching a home playoff game. Uh, I I think he could he could I, again after. If we were to vote, if that was the last game of the season, my vote would be for Jefferson. But you're right, Lowther's been real good for this team this year. I just, I just, every time I think of voting for a kicker for MOP, I feel just a little bit dirty. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.